Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, November 14th, 2019. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. On today's show, I will preview week 11 in the NFL, and I'll give you picks, picks for week 11, five games against the spread, as I give you every single Thursday. And I do have the Patriots-Eagles game which is Sunday at 425 on CBS. I have the Patriots-Eagles game as part of my pick, so make sure you stick around for that. The NFL, in other news, Colin Kaepernick is back in the news. That's right, Colin Kaepernick back in the news, but I will tell you why it's an absolute joke what the NFL is doing right now. It's an absolute joke. I'll explain. I'll give you the latest on Colin Kaepernick, and I will react to it all. Uh, Outside of football, the Houston Astros... They got caught spying again. That's right. The Astros got caught spying again. And a complete shocker. Right? (laughs) A complete shocker. Well, I'm being sarcastic. I'm not shocked by it. And you shouldn't be shocked by it either. Uh, But this time, the Astros got caught because a former player ratted them out. I caught them last year. Well, I reported that they got caught last year during the ALCS. But it seems everybody in the baseball world just wants to ignore my report. Nobody wants to acknowledge it. So the bigger question with all this is, have I been shunned by the good old boy baseball network? The answer is, yes, I have. So I will share my thoughts on that on this show. And I'll close out the show with a story that kind of rocked the pro wrestling world this week. CM Punk has returned to the WWE, kind of. Uh, And who would have thought? Well, if you've been following me, you know that me, I would have thought I will react to CM Punk's glorious yet not so glorious return to wrestling all of it today presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PICK, P-I-C, that's promo code PICK, P-I-C, and you can play for free this Sunday in the $1.2 million play action contest for week 11 in the NFL 1.2 1.2 million in total prizes with $100,000 going to first place. You can win $100,000 this Sunday, and you can do it by playing for free using my promo code PICK, P-I-C. That's promo code PICK, P-I-C, at DraftKings.com. Welcome to the show on this Thursday, November 14th. Uh, I will get into some football in just a few moments, but I'm just, I'm feeling like a, you know, I'm feeling like I'm, like, I'm in the mood for a good rant, right? And and usually when I'm in the mood for a good rant, people give me a reason to be in that mood. And you know, if you listen to me, you know I have always kind of felt ignored by a lot of people in my industry. And it's been, like, it's been kind of a weird situation. Like, I... Part of me doesn't understand. Part of me does understand because there aren't that many jobs out there. And and why would you really, if you're in the business, why do you really want to promote me, right? Why do you want to promote me or my work or anything that I do? However, sometimes you do something that you think, well, they can't ignore this, right? And at least last October during the ALCS, when the Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox were playing in the ALCS, I broke a story in the middle of a game 
For the newspaper that I write for, I'm a columnist for the Boston Metro newspaper. Everything also goes online. And so this was obviously an online report, like it was posted to the website before it was put in print. And I worked hard on this story. And um, basically the breaking news was the Houston Astros got caught spying on the Red Sox during the ALCS last year in a game at Fenway Park. And the Cleveland Indians had informed the Red Sox that there was somebody doing something shady when the Astros went on the road. Right? They knew the guy. They knew where he was sitting. They knew what he was doing. They tipped off the Red Sox. And the Red Sox, Fenway security, Red Sox security, knowing that, in the very next round, see, Cleveland lost to Houston in the ALDS. And they had tipped off the Red Sox. The Red Sox are playing Houston in the ALCS. That round, the Red Sox... When the series, you know, it was at Fenway, and they found this guy, and they went down, and he was sitting in the camera well, right? Like he's some media member, and he's not, and he got caught. With a, They watched him. He had a video camera. He was videotaping the Red Sox dugout, and then he was texting frequently. They caught this guy stealing signs, stealing signals from in the dugout. The Astros got caught cheating. Red Sox security removed him. I got comments from all parties involved. And I broke the story. I broke the story. At the time last year when I broke this story, you couldn't ignore it. Yeah, a lot of people didn't mention me by name, but they mentioned the newspaper. And in a way, that's fine for me because at least you're acknowledging my work. My When you go and click the link, you see my name, right? Um, so you couldn't ignore it then. But I just always thought, well... You know, if anything else comes up with the Astros and and a report or an accusation that they're spying, people can always reference my story. They're not going to ignore my story. Well, boy, was I wrong about that. (laughs) Was I wrong about that. This week, a former Astros pitcher by the name of Mike Fiers told The Athletic, and this was Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic, right? He reported it. Former Astros pitcher Mike Fiers told The Athletic that the Astros in 2017 used video cameras to steal signs when they were playing at home, and then they sent off signals in the ballpark. You know, were they smashing garbage barrels, like right before the pitch? Uh, you know, you could, you could hear the noises, this video of it, people breaking it down. And they used to give audio signals in the arena to send the signals that they were stealing with video cameras to the hitter right before the pitch. They were using video cameras to steal signals and then <laughs> using audio within, you know, inside the arena to, to basically tip off the Astros hitter as to what was coming. And this is a former Astros player basically ratting everybody out. You know, I, I, what's the, what was the motive for that? I, I don't really know. Um, obviously, they screwed him somehow. Uh, but the, the the point is, the Astros got caught again. The Houston Astros continue now to get caught spying. However, with all these reports, you know, I, I looked at it and went, well, no kidding. Like, we're making this a huge story now. It, this is a, this has become a much bigger story now than it was when I broke it last year. During the playoffs, by the way. During a playoff game. 
Now, they had mentioned it during the game, and there were some reports after, and there, were, there was news that Major League Baseball was going to look into it, but it did kind of quickly get swept under the rug, didn't it? It did. It did. I'm not being, being biased. It got swept under the rug by all parties involved. I did think that it would come up again, and perhaps I do think, it's my own personal opinion, I can't say this with any factual information because I don't know Ken Rosendahl. I don't know really many people at The Athletic. I don't know Mike Fires of the Houston Astros. Um, I don't know any of the sources that Ken Rosendahl had. So I don't really say this with fact. But my opinion is that Ken Rosendahl, he, Ken Rosendahl did some digging on this because maybe there were some accusations that were out there. And also, he probably remembered my report from last year and said, well, how come that got swept under the rug? All that said, and now you get this big story and everybody's all over it. And yet, as everybody's all over it, my report from last year, which actually caught the Astros spying in the middle of a game, they removed the guy who was stealing signs that was an Astros employee posing to be a media member in the camera well. <laughs> with, with the, he was recording things and then texting frequently, like, this is what they're doing on the road. So if you combine the stories, it's like, oh, wow. You look at my report last year, here's what they do on the road. And then this report this year, here's what they do at home. You'd think that everybody now would combine these two stories. My story from last year has been ignored to the point where it's almost blatantly on purpose. I This is, and and... You know, maybe I sound paranoid to you, but whatever. I mean, it's real. It's it's real. It they are, So here's a story on ESPN.com today. I actually wasn't really going to go in on this, and I saw this on ESPN.com today. It's a top story on ESPN.com as I'm recording this show. It says, sources, MLB contacts Astros Red Sox as sign-stealing investigation expands. Okay. So they con- the ML Major League Baseball contacts the Astros and the Red Sox. And we say that because, you know, Alex Cora was a member of the Astros organization. Now he's the manager of the Red Sox. But you would put all these things together and think that this ESPN story would somehow mention my report from last year. And in fact, it doesn't. And the first paragraph mentions 2017 and 2019 but doesn't mention the 2018 Astros. Here's the first sentence, the first paragraph. Major League Baseball's investigation into illegal sign stealing is expected to expand beyond the 2017 Houston Astros and look into whether other teams, including the 2019 Astros, use technology to aid hitters, sources familiar with the situation told ESPN. End quote. So you're you're gonna you're gonna come up with a story here on the Astros spying, getting caught spying, getting caught stealing signs. You're gonna mention the 2017 Astros and even the 2019 Astros, and you're just gonna completely just leave out the 2018 Astros who got caught during a playoff game because of my report. It. Like, am I taking crazy pills here? It feels like it. Like, what planet am I on? Where my report just gets ignored in this whole situation. And yeah, it might sound like I'm pounding my chest over this report. Because I am. I am. 
It's just getting ignored. Like it didn't even happen. Sometimes I have to sit back and go, did I report that? Or did I dream that? Did I dream that I reported that? Or did, like, do I exist? Am I, I slap myself here. Do I, do I exist? <laughs> uh, you'll get your haters and your trolls on Twitter to be like, ah, you're not really relevant anyways, Danny. So who do you think you are? I mean, facts are facts. And the fact of the matter is I'm the only one that reported this story last year. And if I didn't report it last year, I got news for you. I know who my sources were. Nobody else was going to be able to report this. That is a fact. I, I guarantee that. And if you say, well, how do you know? Well, here's how I know. Nobody reported it when it was going on in the Cleveland series. And a lot of it stemmed from, you know, a lot of me pulling the trigger on running with that story last year had to do with the fact that I knew Cleveland had tipped off the Red Sox. That was a big part of it. I, I, if I didn't have that piece, I don't know that I would have even ran with the story. But that piece put it all together. That, that kind of finalized it, knowing what I had heard from Cleveland, from the Indians organization. Anonymous sources, obviously. But that put it all together for me. I'm the only one that reported that. And even though, sure, I might not be relevant on the national stage... You know, I know my space. I know my role. I know the what I'm working to become still. I get it. I get it. But that w- I, I mean, you, you cannot, you just can't deny what I reported last year. At the time, it didn't get denied. It got mentioned. But then it kind of got swept under the rug. Now it's Kenny Rosenthal and the boys are reporting it. Guess what? Guess what? It's a huge, it's a, it's a huge story now. And then you don't even mention my report from last year? Which might have opened the floodgates for all this, to be honest. And this first paragraph on ESPN.com, top story of the day, says Major League Baseball's investigation into illegal sign stealing is expected to expand beyond the 2017 Houston Astros and look into whether other teams, including the 2019 Astros, use technology to aid hitters. Sources familiar with the situation told ESPN. Jeff Passan, Jeff Passan, I don't even know how to say his name. I like reading him. He's good at what he does. But to have an opening paragraph and sentence, and I've read this story, and I keep seeing the 2017 and the 2019 Astros throughout the whole story. (laughs) Throughout the whole story. All it is is the 2017 Astros and the 2019 Astros. There's no mention of the 2018 Astros. How is that possible? How is it possible that you could do a you could have a top story on such a big story in Major League Baseball and ignore such a big story from last year's Astros team that got caught in the middle of a game? Here's how you ignore it. I report it. <laughs> I'm the one like like I'm the one who reported it. If Ken Rosenthal or Busta Only or even Jeff Passan reported that last year. You don't think he would have mentioned it? You don't think these guys would be mentioning that if those are the guys that reported it? Of course they would have. And they all came out of the woodwork last year confirming my report after I reported it. But nobody, nobody really, you know, nobody really had the details that I had. You know, maybe this guy got exposed a little bit after the fact. Um, 
you know. But I'm the one and the only one who reported that. And now they're just completely ignoring it. To the point where they're only mentioning the 2017 Astros and the 2019 Astros. 2018 Astros? Eh, didn't happen. We won't mention it. Oh no, it happened. And you should mention it. And the fact that you're ignoring such a big piece to this Astros story tells me that it has more to do with the actual story. Right? Like, and I asked the question in the intro, am I shun from the good old boy baseball network? It's quite possible. But I'm sitting here thinking, like, why? Like, why? <laughs> like, why would I be, like, why would these guys, like, don't, you know, don't bring any, don't bring any publicity to him. Or don't bring any publicity to that report. That's a garbage report. It wasn't a garbage report. You all confirmed that it was true. In fact, it was probably the most factual, correct report out of all these things. Like, because even what Mike Fires is saying, you know, even the videos that we have, I mean, have they caught an actual person who was doing this stuff? I caught an actual person who got caught spying on the Red Sox during a playoff game on the road. So you should, the story should be combining the two. Here's what they do at home, based on this report from Ken Rosenthal. Here's what they do at home to spy. And here's what they do on the road, as we should see from the 2018 Boston Metro report. You don't even get to say my name. Just mention the report. They're not even mentioning the report. The first sentence on ESPN.com, they talk about the 2017 Astros and the 2019 Astros. And in the whole story, it has nothing to do with 2018. The only thing that it says about 2018 is that, and here's a sentence about the former Astros bullpen coach who joined the Red Sox with Alex Cora in 2018. The year the Red Sox won the World Series. That's, that, that's all it says. And it mentions the Red Sox um, with the Apple Watch. And, uh, you know, I keep looking, I keep looking. Um, you know, there's allegations from, it goes back to Mike Fiers. Uh... I don't see, I see they talk about the 2019 American League Championship Series against the Yankees. Um, They mention the 2017 World Series. They mention Boston in 2018. And... They they don't men- they they just don't mention I don't see it unless you point it out to me and you can you can show they they don't they don't mention it. They ignore it. The whole story ignores it. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. You have and this isn't the only outlet. I know I'm calling out ESPN and ESPN.com right now and Jeff Passan, but this isn't the only outlet. I've read a handful of major sports networks with stories on this. They go into detail on the history of Houston Astros' accusations that they were spying. And and most of them, not all, most of them, uh, not even acknowledging my report from last year, which you would think is a pretty big report. So what is it? Is it that the report wasn't meaningful or important? Of course it was meaningful and important. Or, or was it, I'm the one that reported it? But then I'm like, well, what would the good old boy baseball network have? What, what do they have against me? It's because I just went after Woody Page. 
Well, I started to think, like, I started to think outside the box. Like, uh, have I ever had a beef with a baseball guy with, like, a a baseball beat red? I mean, I used to cover the Red Sox. I was at Fenway every day for, like, three or four years as a beat red. I worked under Sean McAdam for Comcast Sportsnet New England. You know, I was in the clubhouses, home, visitors' clubhouses, on the field, before games, sitting in the dugout. I, I, I did that. I covered that beat. I did it pretty well. I busted my balls. And he tried to think of like, did I have any issue? Did, did I have an issue with anybody? And I can't, I can't recall one. I think I would remember that. The only, the only issue I kind of had was you know, Terry Francona came at me a couple times. I thought that I was, he, he embarrassed the shit out of me a couple times. I will never forget that. Fuck that guy. Um, you know, there were times Dustin Pedroia said some things to me. I didn't like it. I, I, I don't, I don't like, I'm not, I'm not too fond of Dustin Pedroia, as you know, if you listen to this show. Um, like, I, I think he wouldn't talk to normal people in the street the way he would talk to some people, I thought. I, I just don't think he would have the balls to do it, to talk to random people in the street like that. But, you know, that's that's him. That says a lot about him. But that's with that, with that effect, the good old boy baseball network to just ignore my report on the 2018 Astros spying on the Red Sox? I don't think so. I'm trying to think of beefs. And, and I came up with one this morning. I'm like, oh, yeah, back in 2012. Back in 2012. Richard Justice. Do you know Richard Justice? He's a longtime baseball columnist. You used to see he might still be on Around the Horn. Not a, excuse me, not Around the Horn. Pardon the interruption. So now, if you think about it from ESPN's perspective, I have had beefs with with a guy on Around the Horn and Pardon the Interruption. And these are beefs that, like, I feel like I got dragged into. And I didn't even want to be a part of. Woody Page recently. He's always on Around the Horn. And I think back to 2012, my beef with Richard Justice. You would know Richard Justice if you've seen him. If you ever watch Pot and the Interruption, you know, they have like the five good minutes with something with someone. He he used to work for the Houston Chronicle. Now he works for MLB.com. Oh yeah. MLB.com. That's right. Works for Major League Baseball. So I started to put the pieces together. I don't know that Richard Justice has bad mouthed me to people behind my back. But he probably has. Do you not know what happened? Let, let's just go over what happened. This is comical. And by the way, this makes him, I think he's, if he's pissed at me, this dude, and I don't know that he is, maybe he is, I will put money that he is. Because I did go public with this. Richard Justice, back in 2012, I was, when I used to do my other podcast called I'm Just Saying, and actually was, for a little bit, it was a live stream from my apartment, the living room of my apartment, in Southie, and it would be a live stream video, and I would do it, the audio would be, the live stream was on, I think, Ustream, a website called Ustream, and then the audio would be from Blog Talk Radio, and you could take calls on Blog Talk Radio, and since I didn't have any producer or anything, and I wanted to take the calls live during the show, what I would do is I would set up the guest, you know, the day before, the night before, and I would give the guest the number that Blog Talk Radio had for me where people can call in. People can call me. So when I see the number pop up and I know the number that's calling, I answer it and they come on the show. But they would have to call me on the live stream. 
And in 2012, in February of 2012, to be exact, because I am currently looking at the emails that me and Richard Justice was sending back and forth. In February of 2012, I had asked him if he'd come on the show, if he'd call in. I was a big fan of his. I used to see him on Pod in the Interruption. And, you know, he joined me on the show. Or at least that's what I thought he was going to do. And so I, I, I reached out and asked. And he was kind enough to reply right away. And we went back and forth. And he was telling me certain dates, certain times he couldn't do. And we were emailing back and forth. And we came up with a day and a time. 9.30 a.m. One, one morning. And I said, oh, he gave me his number. To, he gave me the phone number to call him. And so here's what I said to Richard Justice. I said, okay, great. This is an exact reading from an email. I said, okay, great. Not to be a pain in the ass on purpose, but I have to have all my guests call in because I can't dial out on the webcast. I usually text my guests with the number to call me just before they come on. I can do that if you'd like. Again, sorry for the inconvenience. That was my email to Richard Justice after he agreed to come on. He responds, sure. Okay, so I've said to him, um, you know, I will, I will text you the number that, that you can call. As I'm doing the, the live stream, I will send a text, hey, here's the number to call. That's how I would get my guests on the live stream to call in. I told him I'd do that. He said, sure. So the next, the next morning, right, was it March 1st? It was on March 1st, 2012. The next morning, uh, I actually, I had emailed him the number for him to call while I was doing the show, it looks like, around 9.30, 9.30 a.m. on March 1st. He emails me back. Now, keep in mind, I'm doing the show at this point in time. Like, the show was live. I was doing the show. And I would get a decent amount of listeners when I was doing blog talk radio because I used to promote it um, a lot. I mean, not as many as I get now. But, you know, I've obviously built an audience over the years. But um, I was doing it. I was doing a decent, a decent hit, a decent enough hit where, you know, I didn't feel the need to just stop the show because he wasn't going to come on. So the show kept going. I'm doing the live stream. We're emailing back and forth. I sent them the number. He emails me back a minute later after I gave him the number to call in. He emails me back. He says, is that a long distance call? It says sent from my iPhone, by the way. So, you know, he was emailing me from his iPhone. He says, is that a long distance call? That's what he asked me. So I respond during the show. I, I responded. It's blog talk radio. I think New York City. I think it was a New York City number. That's just the blog talk radio, the way they functioned. He emails me back at 9.45 a.m. This is a direct quote. <laughs> this is insane. This is a direct, and I already went public with this, so I, I'm trying to say, like, this maybe is a reason somebody from MLB or part, he's part of the good old boy baseball reporting network that might be bad multimedia people. I don't know. I went public with this already, but I'll do it again in case you missed it. He, he says, is that a long distance call? I say, it's blog talk radio. I think New York City. He responds in an email. And I quote. Hey, I'm not spending my money 
to do your show. That makes no sense. <laughs> and email. Also sent from his iPhone, it says. Now, this email, the words my and your are in caps. <laughs> All caps. So he's stressing my money to do your show. This is the direct quote. Hey, I'm not spending my money to do your show. That makes no sense. With my and your in all caps. <laughs> now, the show, I believe, only was like from 9 to 10 a.m. So at 10.06 a.m., I must have been done with the show. I emailed him back. I said, okay, I apologize. It's only a webcast, so I physically cannot dial out because the system doesn't allow me to. I get guests every day, and that's never been an issue. Just trying to find my way in this business. I did not mean to anger you. Again, I apologize for that. Take care. A couple hours later, Richard Justice emails me back. He says, quote, Some guy on Twitter is calling me scummy for not calling in today. Am I scummy for not spending my money to appear on your show? You got to help me out here. I just, this is beautiful. I'm just, I'm just, this is all coming back to me. This is absolutely beautiful. This is beautiful stuff. Wow. I forgot. I mean, I kind of forgot. I knew I had a beef with Richard Jesses, but I, I'm, I forgot all these emails. It's all coming back to me though. I'll read that again. He says, quote, some guy on Twitter is calling me scummy for not calling in today. Am I scummy for not spending my money to appear on your show? You gotta help me out here. <laughs> Look, dude, how much money do you think this is gonna cost? Also, what type of phone plan do you have? Like, what's happening right now? Like, where do you, where do you think, and where do you think you're calling to? It, like, it's a New York City number, I think. That's what Blog Talk Radio gave me. It was, uh, let's see, I had the number, I gave it. What was it? 347. That was the number. Is that a New York City number? I don't know, it's what Blog Talk Radio gave me. This guy's like, I'm not spending my money to do your show. Someone on Twitter's calling me scummy. Am I scummy for not wanting to pay my money to go on your show? That makes no sense. Keep in mind, I explained to this guy, like, I'm doing a webcast. I'm trying to make, I'm trying to, I'm trying to build something. Like, were you not ever in my situation? Were you trying to build something? Like, I was sitting there with no money. Like, just at, he should have just said, no, I don't want to do the show. And I would have said, all right, that's fine. I've had people say no to me before. You can't do it. You can't do it. That's fine. I'm not going to hold it against you. But to agree to do the show, agree that he would have to call in. And then while I'm doing the show, when I send him the number, he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Is this a long distance call? I'm not spending my money to do your show. And then continues to defend his stance being like, does that make sense for me to spend my money to do your show? That makes no sense. The most, like, so if you want to talk about petty, insecure, just loses in this industry, this is a perfect example. This is why when Woody Page, not too long ago, denied getting me released from the Podcast One Network, denied being pissed at my tweet, calling him an 85-year-old man, which was harmless, compared to some of the things other shows on that network have done and said recently, who are still, by the way, on the Podcast One Network, uh, T.I., and whatever stupid podcast he was on 
talk. I'm not even. Gonna, I don't even want to repeat what they were talking about. It's just bizarre. But they're fine on the net. This show's fine on the network. Some people have said to me, "Oh, at least they apologized for it." <laughs> yeah, let me apologize for calling Woody Page an old man. Isn't that just a fact? And I didn't mean it. It wasn't. If you listened to the show, if you if you saw me break it down, it wasn't malicious at all. Anyways, the reason I don't believe Woody Page is because I know how insecure some people are in this business. How foolish some people are in this business. Right? And this issue that I had with Richard Justice that came out of nowhere is a perfect example. He doesn't want to spend his money to call into my show after he agreed to do it. Where do you think you're calling to? And what type of phone plan do you have? Like, was I asking for much? And, and like, he's, so he's starting to feel the heat. He's starting to feel the heat. I sent him an email saying, I don't speak for anyone else on Twitter but myself. I don't get paid for this show. It's a personal webcast. I can't help you out with money. Um, I, I go on to say I get all these guests on the show, you know, and... It's a 60-minute show. It's not an ideal situation for me. But what people on Twitter are saying has nothing to do with me. I've moved on. And I even finished it saying, let it be known, however, that I am extremely grateful that you even responded to my original request. And so I was, at the time, being nice about it. I'm like, this is ridiculous, but whatever. Like, what's done is done. I did the show. I don't need this dude to do a show. I don't need this dude in my career. I just asked. But he's being ridiculous now. But I, I was, you know, Mr. Nice Guy. Then he responds to me. He says, hell, I don't want to be a jerk. Can we do it tomorrow or this afternoon? I responded, I'm only on 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern time on weekdays. I've already got a show and a guest scheduled for tomorrow. I will reach out again at some point in the future and email. And that's he never responded to that. But that's where we ended I never responded back to him, but I do recall, I did, I did, I did tweet about it. I did call him out. I did call him out. And perhaps when I get into, well, why am I being ignored right now by the good old boy baseball media network? When it comes to, you know, the reports on the Houston Astros spying and they're kind of just ignoring my report. Why is that? Did I, did, did I, you know, go after someone and they're just trash talking me behind my back to other baseball reporters and, and, and other guys in the baseball media world. Somebody that has their respect already because they've been working with these guys for years. Somebody that works for major league baseball and and writes for MLB.com. Is there anybody that I've crossed paths with that, that maybe they don't like me for a certain reason and have been out there running their mouth and talking shit behind my back. And maybe leading some of these baseball guys to... Yeah, at the time last year, they had to acknowledge my report because it was a real report. It really happened, and it was a huge story. But now, when they got their own stuff, they're going to just come out and mention 2017 and 2019, and they're not going to mention 2018. What's the reason for that? Is it because my report is not relevant? No, it's pretty damn relevant. Is it because my report wasn't big and truthful? No, it was huge. And it was as factual as reports can get. I always joked, my message to kids in this industry, do less and get it wrong. Maybe I should have exaggerated a couple things in that story last year. 
Maybe I would have got a couple job interviews because of that story, right? How many people? You could, I, you could sit there and name 10 people. You could write down 10 names. Watch them. You could watch them all over TV. You could see them. Whoever. Doesn't matter. You could see them on Twitter. You can write 10, people, 10 people's names down right now who would get job interviews in this industry for anything, for any position, just if they had the same report on the Astros spying last year that I did. You can name 10 people. You can write them down to piece of paper right now. 10 people. Tweet them out. 10 people that would get job interviews for anything in this industry because of that one report. You know how many I got? Zero. I've actually had to take pay cuts after that report. <laughs> what? Like, I, and, and, you know, I, and I kind of did this on the whole Woody Page Podcast 1 podcast not too long ago when they released me for no reason at all and ended up taking money out of my pocket for no reason at all. It's like, at some point, you got to defend yourself. And I'm sitting around here looking at all these Major League Baseball reports and seeing them completely ignore me, reading an the top story on ESPN.com right now throughout the whole story mentions the 2017 Astros and the 2019 Astros when it comes to spying and getting caught spying and cheating and they don't mention my report it's insane it's not because the report wasn't right or wasn't big it was there's got to be another reason for it well are, are, are they just purposely not not mentioning it because I'm the one who reported it? Do people have something against me? Uh, maybe. Maybe Richard Justice is still got his panties in a bunch about having to spend 35 cents for a 10-minute phone call on a live stream. Somebody who didn't make any money on the show. I lost money. I used to have to pay for Blog Talk Radio, I think. Like, that reaction that he had to that small moment being so concerned about how much money he would have to spend on calling into a show that he agreed to come on in the first place a show that wasn't making any money that reaction that he had tells me that it's not out of the question that someone that insecure would still be holding a grudge that I called him out on it after the fact and I did call him out on it I forget when or how Maybe even on this show, I've talked about it a couple times, but definitely on Twitter. I, I quoted what he said in the email. I could see someone this insecure holding that grudge. And not only holding that grudge, but knowing the way this industry works and the people that uh, will be so quick to talk shit behind your back, especially if they see somebody that is doing a job that, you know, again, like there aren't many jobs in this industry. It's a, it's a dirty business. What's the reason I don't get promoted? Like, from others. Others don't promote my work or promote my shit. Or at times it gets ignored. What's the reason for that? Because some of it's not good enough? Because I don't get big guests on this show? Because I don't break big stories? What's the reason? Think about that. What's the reason? You know what the reason is. They know what the reason is. And I don't know if Richard Justice has anything to do with it, but you know what? If I had to put my money on it, I think I might put my money on maybe he does. Maybe he does. Okay, whatever. I mean, it, it is what it is. It's just, I'm reading these stories and I'm going, am I on another planet? Like, what, what do you got to do? What do you got to do? Right? I've had people tell me, you've done everything you need to do. And then some. You're right, I have. You get the list out. Check them off. 
Why, if you're a Major League Baseball reporter right now, and you're doing this Houston Astros bit on spying and getting caught stealing signals, why is it that you would not even mention what happened with the Astros in the ALCS in 2018? Why would you not mention that? Does anybody have an answer to that? I mean, it can't be what was in the story because what was in the story was real, was true, was confirmed by all of them and is a huge piece connected to this current puzzle that everyone's putting together. But yet they're not, they're leaving that piece of the puzzle out. There's a big hole in this puzzle. Did I mention it? Why? I don't know. I think it's because I'm the one who reported it. Believe me, if Buster only reported that thing last year, they'd all be talking about that moment and referencing that last year. They all would be. They all would be. Don't tell me they wouldn't be. You know they would be. Richard Justice. I'm not spending my money to do your show. That makes no sense. Dude. Dude. This is a guy who had a job. This is a guy who had a job at that point. And I'm not trying to, I'm not going over what other people are making. That's that's none of my business. None of my business. I don't want to know. But man, times are that tough? I know his times weren't tougher than me. Tougher than my times at that point in time. I know that for sure. How much was it going to cost? What type of call are we talking about? Time to do a couple things. Reevaluate your phone plan, okay? Do you get charged for that? Is that like a is that a hefty fee? <laughs> I was shocked by that. I still am when I go back to it. And then he defends it in another email. He says, "Am I scummy for not spending my money to appear on your show? You got to help me out here." <laughs> you loser. What a loser. What an absolute loser. Um, anyways, it's just insane, man. It's insane. I worked hard on that story. And it is just, like, I'm not trying to say that the story now, I'm not trying to say that the story now is, like, I'm not trying to say that I reported the same stuff from this story now. No, these are new details. But, like, right now, the story is larger than these new details. The story is, The Astros have a history of spying, both at home and on the road, and here's how. And yet, as all these guys continue to point out the here's how, here's where they have a history of spying, a lot of the bigger name baseball media members and reporters, they're not even acknowledging my report from last year. And you, you can't tell me that it's because of the report itself. Because the report itself is factual and they've all confirmed it. So what's the other reason? I mean, it's got to be because I'm the one who reported it. (laughs) Right? There's no other reason. There's no other reason. There's no other reason. Hate it on for no reason. That's a story here. And I'm sticking to it. So uh, anything else that breaks or anybody that actually decides, hey, we're going to write a story on this. And hey, we are going to write. You don't even have to say my name. Just say the Metro. Say it for the Metro's sake. 
I worked hard with my editor, Matt Burke, too, to, to, to make sure we had that right. To just be ignored right now? Oh, that that is just... There's something up and something smells funny with that. that. That's all. And that's why I needed, I'm thinking to myself, like, what did I do wrong to somebody that maybe the good old boy baseball media network would kind of be like, eh, Picard reported that. Fuck him. This is really the only thing I can think of, the Richard Justice situation where I did call him out for just, for just in pure insanity. Really. Like, you know, I'm sure he didn't like me calling him out for that. And I'm sure he probably has trash-talked me. And I'm sure he probably saw this story that he... Of course he saw the story that I reported last year. You know what he probably did when he saw that story that I reported last year? I mean, everybody in baseball, every baseball reporter, columnist, you name it, around the country, saw my story last year. And they saw who wrote it. Richard Justice saw that story. You don't think him being pissed at me that I leaked out and told people what he said to me in those emails or why he didn't come on my show? You think he didn't badmouth me to anybody? Oh, of course he did. Of course he did. And right now, huh? The clique is punishing me. <laughs> They're punishing me, all right? They're just ignoring me. They're just continuing to ignore me. Oh, well. The show goes on. The show goes on. I'm not spending my money to do your show. <laughs> Oh, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. Beautiful. I'm so glad that's on the record in an email. So glad I got those emails. So glad I keep those emails. I keep everything. Everything. And there's more where that came from. Stay tuned. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, Let's get to football, shall we? Let's get to football because week 11 in the NFL... Uh, it is going to begin uh, tonight. But before we get to that, Colin Kaepernick is in the news. That's right. Colin Kaepernick, back in the news. And the latest on Colin Kaepernick is that the NFL has informed Colin Kaepernick and his camp that they will have a private workout for Kaepernick this Saturday in Atlanta. They're going to have a workout for him. Finally. They're going to have a workout for Colin Kaepernick. It's going to be this Saturday in Atlanta. The latest, That's not the latest news. The latest news is that the NFL will reportedly not provide Kaepernick's representatives with a list of executives and coaches who will attend this workout. There have been conflicting reports that the NFL had previously agreed to give Kaepernick a list of the people who would be attending. Is that the biggest issue, though? I don't think so. I mean, I think if you're Colin Kaepernick, you just got to go through the workout and just go through it as if everybody's there. That's what you need to do. You need to go through this workout as if everybody's there. And you would hope that after you do the workout, then you can find out who's there. Maybe it's maybe that's the beef. They want to find out after the workout. I, they're making it sound, though, as if he wants to find out before the workout, which shouldn't really matter. Anyways, my reaction to this is simple. I... I think the NFL is doing Colin Kaepernick a disservice. I think they're doing Colin Kaepernick a disservice by not having this workout on Tuesday. Why are they having this workout on a Saturday? Kaepernick doesn't want this on a Saturday. He wants it on a Tuesday. 
Who wouldn't want it on a Tuesday? On a Saturday, these teams are all traveling or preparing for their games the next day. Are you, are you really going to hold a workout for Colin Kaepernick? If you care so much about giving this guy a shot to be a quarter, whether you sit there and believe Kaepernick should get a shot or not, that's not, that's not what we're talking about right now. What we're talking about is that the NFL is publicly, at least, publicly showing an interest in giving Colin Kaepernick an opportunity to show himself to NFL teams. If you are a league that actually cares about giving this guy an opportunity to prove himself to NFL teams, why would you do this on a Saturday? I'll tell you why they're doing it on Saturday. Because they don't really care to give him a real shot in the league. They don't really care to give Colin Kaepernick a real shot to prove himself to NFL teams. If they did really care, they would do it on a Tuesday. It would be a no-brainer. And by the way, they would have done it like a year ago, two years ago, right? So the NFL, to me, this is nothing more than them trying to win a public relations battle by saying, hey, we're giving them a shot. We're giving Colin Kaepernick a shot. We're giving them a workout. Every team can attend in Atlanta this Saturday. If you want him, you want to see what he's got, be there. Don't say we never gave him a shot. We did Saturday in Atlanta. That's what the NFL wants you. They want you to sit there and go, oh, look, the NFL's giving him a shot. Kaepernick can't say anything now. He's got to show up, do his job, try to prove to these teams that he wants to play football again, that he can play football again at a high level. NFL did their job. That's what the NFL wants you to believe. But the reason they're doing it on a Saturday and not a Tuesday is just, you know, it's laughable, but the the reason is that they don't really want to give him a real shot. You think the NFL doesn't know that certain teams and GMs and executives can't be at this or won't be at this because, or coaches? If this was on a Tuesday, I mean, I I just think it's, I I think it's a joke. I think it's laughable that they're doing it on a Saturday. I think it's laughable. I think it's laughable. And, And this to me, this tells me that the NFL is not really serious about this. They're not really serious. And if you're a team, by the way, that's attending this and is like, oh, yeah, you know what? We're going to give him a shot. Why do you need the league to create a private workout for you to then have interest in this? Like, and this has nothing to do with anything other than football right now in this conversation. When I just simply care about football and I look around the NFL, I see some horrible quarterback play. I see backup quarterbacks that come in and replace injured starting quarterbacks. And I wonder if these guys have ever even practiced playing football ever in their lives. Like, if I didn't know they played college football, I would want, I would realistically wonder if this was the first time they were stepping out in a football field. Like, there are some bad quarterbacks in the NFL. So if you're a team that's like, oh, I'm going to attend this, and now I'm going to show interest in Colin Kaepernick, like, what does that say about you? Like, you need the NFL to, to, to force this upon you? I could give you a handful of teams that, that should have been calling Kaepernick to come work out for them. Nobody has. The only team was Seattle, and I don't even think they worked him out. They had a meeting with him, right? They had an interview with him, and they don't even need him, obviously. They got Russell Wilson. That's not one of the teams that should even be interested in him. I and mean, I guess they interviewed him, but what is really, what is just an interview? 
Well, it shows you that from a football perspective, the NFL just doesn't really care about what Colin Kaepernick has to do. That's why they're having this on a Saturday and not a Tuesday. I mean, it's laughable to me. It's laughable to me. Um, And who knows? Maybe Kaepernick shows up and he sucks. And if he can't play, then I don't think a team should sign him. And you could say, well, teams know. You know, he doesn't have it. Teams know. He do-. How do they know? They're not working him out. How do they have any idea? I don't think the guy's been asking for much. And people who have said he should get a workout with a team, I don't think that's asking for much. And I say that knowing what I see with my own eyes from a football perspective, which, has, which is you get a lot of bad quarterbacks in this league. And you, get, you have some backup quarterbacks that are just absolutely horrendous. Okay? Now he's going to get a workout, Colin Kaepernick. And it's long overdue. But it still just doesn't seem right. And it doesn't seem right because it doesn't seem like the NFL is really that serious about it because they're having it on Saturday. And there's just like, you hear these reports, well, they're not going to inform them that, uh, who's going to be there. And, and that's not a big deal. But the fact that they're going to, you know, stick to their guns on that one, it's like, what are you, why are you sticking to guns on stuff? Like, why are you sticking with a certain mindset? Just, just let it go. Let a workout happen. Why can't you do it on a Tuesday when most teams could be there? You know why? Because then you're not giving the teams an excuse to not show up. If you have it on a Tuesday, there's no excuse. Every Someone from every team should be there. There's no excuse. It's a Tuesday. You got to do a conference call with the media? Oh, okay. Reschedule it. Do the conference call while you're watching Kaepernick. Let's talk about that. On Tuesday, there's no excuse for NFL teams to be there. No excuse. You do it on Saturday, you're giving teams an out. You're giving them a reason to be like, ah, I'd love to be there, and I really would, but you know what? We got a big Week 11 game tomorrow at 1 o'clock, and we are all in on that. You're giving the teams an excuse, and that's part of the plan. That's part of their agenda. That's part of what the NFL is doing right now by holding this on a Saturday. If they really wanted to make sure that Colin Kaepernick had a a realistic chance, if they really did care about his football future and his desire to want to prove himself to the NFL in a private workout, there would be no restrictions. They would say, let's do it. Let's talk. When do you want to do it? You want to do it on Tuesday? Yeah, that sounds like a good day. You want to see who's going to attend? All right, that's fine. What's the big deal? It would happen on a Tuesday. They would tell him everybody who's going to be there. And you'd get a workout. And that would be it. You know, you can't make a team sign him. You can't do that. Obviously, the NFL's trying to make it look like they're giving the teams the only opportunity they can, knowing that they can't force a team to sign them, so they'll say, hey, we're going to put them in a position where you can choose to go or not. So now it's no longer on us, it's on the teams. But yet it's not really because they're giving teams an out by holding this on a Saturday. And if they didn't, if, if they, if they didn't care about what the other teams wanted, they would hold this on a Tuesday. But they care about what the other teams want. They care about what the other owners are saying. The league as a whole is functioning with the owners. And 
if they wanted to just take a step back and look at this whole Kaepernick situation and say, let's, you know, let's let them work out for teams. You do it with no restrictions and you do it on a Tuesday. That just seems like a simple formula, a simple plan. What's the problem with that? NFL obviously has a problem with it. And they're like, no, you're doing it on a Saturday. And no, we're not telling you who's attending. Like, But all they want you to know and remember is that they gave him the opportunity to work out in front of teams. It's a public relations battle. They're trying to win it right now. And they're going to get some suckers who are going to look at it and go, oh, they gave him a shot. Oh, executives, they can still show up on a Saturday. Well, I guarantee you that there are teams that don't send anybody. I guarantee you. And I guarantee you their excuse is going to be, well, as a whole, our organization is focused on Week 11. They're going to do that. And you know what? That's that's a more reasonable excuse on a Saturday than it is on a Tuesday. And the NFL knows that. And that's why they're doing this Kaepernick workout on a Saturday and not a Tuesday. And it's laughable, really. It's it, This is a laughable moment, in my opinion, for the NFL. Laughable. That's how I would describe it. So, um, that's what we have with Kaepernick. That's what we have with the latest news in the NFL, which I guess brings me to my picks. Uh, as I do every Thursday, I give you picks picks. Five games. Against the spread, uh, week 11. So, uh, let me just give you a quick rundown of week 11 before I do that. Four teams have a buy in week 11. Green Bay, Tennessee, the Giants, and Seattle. Week 11 begins on Thursday night football. Tonight, Cleveland hosting Pittsburgh. Uh, Cleveland, a three-point favorite at home over a Steelers team that is on an absolute roll right now. And finds Pitt, the Steelers find themselves in a playoff picture right now. So, um... You know, Cleveland, a three-point favorite. This is going to be a tough game for them. This I would stay away. This is going to be a close game, you would think. An AFC North battle on Thursday night. But anyways, by the time you listen to this, it might be Friday. And that game might be over. So I'm not going to I'm not gonna really give too much analysis on that. But that's when Week 11 begins. Cleveland hosts Pittsburgh on Thursday night football. Week 11 ends with the Chargers hosting Kansas City on Monday night football. Kansas City, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. In L.A. against the Chargers. And then the Sunday night football game of the week is the Rams hosting Chicago. The Rams are six-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Chicago Bears. Now, is that really the game of the week? Well, technically, because it's Sunday night football. But I tell you, I think the game of the week is probably Baltimore-Houston. Sunday at 1 o'clock in Baltimore. Because the playoff implications for that for that head-to-head tiebreaker for a first-round bye and that number two seed, you know, that that's huge. This is a huge game. That should be the game of the week. Um, but technically, Sunday Night Football is Rams and Chicago in L.A. And then here in New England, obviously we are focused on the 8-1 and one Patriots returning from the bye as they travel to Philadelphia Sunday at 425. Will we see Nikhil Harry? I think we will. I think we will. I think we thought we were going to see him on Sunday Night Football in Week 9 before the bye against Baltimore, but he did not play in that game. I think we'll see him now. Um, I'm, I just, We just want to see what it's going to look like, right? Rookie wide receiver coming off injured reserve. I think we will see him against the Eagles 
on Sunday. And then, of course, Gronk watch continues. Gronk has until right before the Week 13 game. He has until the end of this month. He's got two weeks to make a decision. He's got two weeks. Does he want to return? I told you on Monday about the report from Ian Rappaport that Robert Kraft told Gronk at his locker as Gronk was cleaning it out. Gronk was cleaning out his locker, and Robert Kraft told him, hey, we want you for the playoffs. We want you for the playoffs. And Gronk, I don't know what he said to that, but obviously he heard it. My opinion is that it's someone from Gronk's camp relaying that message right now to Ian Rappaport. There's just something going on there. Uh, It's still a public negotiation. There's something with money that's going on with Gronk and the Patriots, and it makes me believe that it's still possible Gronk returns. But I'm not going to spend too much time on it. We'll wait and see what happens. But he's got two weeks to make a decision. Two weeks to make a decision. And um, as I said, all eyes outside of Patriots-Eagles at 425. Before then, I'll be watching Houston-Baltimore because the playoff implications, not just for the first round by, but even now competing with the Patriots for the one seed, um, should we root? Who are we rooting for here in New England? I think we're rooting for Houston, right? Because Baltimore right now holds the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Patriots. And the Patriots will play Houston. So the Patriots still have a chance to hold that tiebreaker over Houston if they can beat them in Week 13. Uh, so root for Houston if you're a Patriots fan. That's the way I would uh, handle that. But that said, it is time, as we do every Thursday, to get to the picks. Hit! The music. Picks, picks for week 11 in the NFL. Presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PICK, P-I-C. That's promo code PICK, P-I-C, at DraftKings.com. I went 2-3 and three with my picks against the spread last week. Let's be better. Pick number one. I mentioned Houston and Baltimore. This could be game of the week. Well, It's my first pick of the week. This game is in Baltimore Sunday at 1 o'clock. The Texans are a four-point dog. The Texans are 6-3. They're coming off the bye. The Ravens are 7-2. They've won five straight. They're coming off a big win over the Cincinnati Bengals, though. It's, It's a big win because they whooped the Bengals. That's what I mean. It's not a big win with regards to what Cincinnati is. The Bengals are winless. They don't have a win. So how big is it for Baltimore? Still... Everybody is crowning the Ravens. That's the that's the popular topic of conversation in the NFL right now. That the Ravens are this next team in the AFC that's going to knock the Patriots off the top of the mountain. Last year, it was Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They couldn't do it. This year, it's Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. They're going to go to the Super Bowl. They're going to end Tom Brady and the Patriots dynasty. Like I've been telling you, I would not put my money on that. I would still put my money on the Patriots. But that said... This game between Houston and Baltimore, playoff implications. As I said, you want that head-to-head tiebreaker. And with the Ravens and the Texans both battling for a first-round bye, that head-to-head tiebreaker, the winner of this game, is going to be crucial because if these two teams finish with the same record, the the tiebreaker is going to come down to who wins this game. So this is essentially a playoff game if either of these two teams want the bye. And they both want the bye, but they both won't get it. Right now, the Ravens are the two seed in the AFC, behind the number one seed, Patriots. Like I said, many have already given the Ravens the first round bye, but something tells me Deshaun Watson 
this Sunday at 1 o'clock in Baltimore is going to have something to say about that. I think Houston will not just cover. They will win this game on the road. Give me the points. Give me the Texans to win, to cover as a four-point dog. I'm taking Houston over Baltimore Sunday in Baltimore. Then I am taking the New England Patriots, a three-and-a-half-point favorite over the Philadelphia Eagles. This game is in Philly Sunday at 425. The Patriots are 8-1. The Eagles are 5-4. Both teams are coming off the bye. The Eagles have won their last two games, but all you need to know going into this one is that the Patriots had their potentially perfect season crushed. They had the dreams of that potentially perfect season crushed by the Ravens the week before the bye in their last game, losing to Baltimore on Sunday Night Football. Patriots are going to be hungry. They are going to come back from the bye with a vengeance, in my opinion. This game for Philadelphia, who, by the way, right now is on the outside looking in at a playoff spot, this is going to be nothing more than wrong place at the wrong time. It's a bad time for the Eagles to catch the Patriots after a loss and after the bye. I think the Patriots are going to win. I think they're going to go into Philly. I think they're going to win big. So obviously they covered a three and a half point spread. Give me the Patriots minus three and a half over the Eagles Sunday in Philadelphia. Then I am taking the LA Rams, a six and a half point favorite over the Chicago Bears. This game is in LA on Sunday Night Football on NBC. Like I told you, it's not really the game of the week, but if it's on NBC Sunday Night Football, you know, then that's what we have to call it. The spread here is very high, in my opinion. Based on what the Rams have looked like, this is a high spread. It, it really is. I know you could say, well, the Bears offense looks terrible, but it's still Chicago still get that good defense. The Rams offense, they just scored 12 points in a loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh this past week. The six and a half is high, but I think that just shows you that people are betting on the Rams to snap out of their funk. And that includes me. I'm picking the Rams to snap out of their funk. The Rams are an underachieving bunch this year, and I'm just waiting for them to have their moment, like I said, where they snap out of it. This game could be it, at least from a defensive perspective. You see how bad Chicago's offense is. Are you really putting your money on Mitch Trubisky against this Rams defensive line? I know I'm not. I expect the Rams defensive line to be in Trubisky's face all day. I, I, I don't know how you could bet on Chicago in this game, but the six and a half does seem high. Still, it's kind of a ballsy pick. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Give me the Rams to win this game by 10. They cover the six and a half points. I'm taking LA over Chicago in LA on Sunday Night Football. Then I'm taking the Chargers. A four-point dog over the Kansas City Chiefs. This is Monday Night Football in Los Angeles. The Chargers are at home against the Chiefs. The Chargers are a four-point dog. I know what you're thinking. Danny, don't do this. What are you, an idiot, putting your money on Phillip Rivers? How many times do you always say you don't put your money on Phillip Rivers? How many times do you say you don't even put your money against Phillip Rivers because he's so unpredictable and frustrating to watch. Danny, you bet to not regret. You don't bet to win. You bet to not regret. You will regret betting Phillip Rivers. Uh, you might be right. Maybe I'm an idiot, but I'm not making this pick with my brain. I'm making this pick with my heart and my gut. And what my heart and my gut tells me is that the four and six charges, who are two and one in their last three, which included a big win over a very good Green Bay Packers team a couple weeks ago, it's telling me that the Chargers have a history of second-half surges, and they might not beat the Chiefs on Monday Night Football, but they are going to keep this competitive. They are going to keep this close. They might win. 
And if it's close, I'll take the points. Plus four, which means they cover. It's a three-point game. They cover. But I wouldn't be surprised to see the Chargers have this second-half surge and win this game. Something you need to look at with these two teams. They will play again in Week 17. They will. And if you look at Kansas City, they're 6-4 and four right now. They're coming off an inexcusable loss to the Tennessee Titans. Inexcusable and embarrassing. You cannot lose to the Titans. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is back. Yeah, he's got the highlight reels where he's jumping in the pocket, you know, making fancy plays. Whatever. That's a tough, horrible, inexcusable, embarrassing loss to the Titans last week. It can't happen. You could say, well, the Chiefs are definitely going to bounce back in this one. You could, But I just think you could also say the Chargers are going to have the second half surge they're going to have. If they play again in Week 17... Would you be surprised if that Week 17 game, if the division was on the line in that one? I know I wouldn't be, even though it's a difference right now between a 6-4 and four Chiefs team and a 4-6 and six Chargers team. Chargers could win this game at home against the Chiefs defense that is horrible. Phillip Rivers should be able to put up some points. They should. And they get a pretty good defense here, too. They're at home. They're used to, you know, second half, surging up, that, up those standings. I'm going to pick them to do it. Oh, I'm already trying to tuck myself out of it now, but I'm sticking with it. I'm taking the charges. Plus four over Kansas City on Monday Night Football. And, uh, man, I can't wait. I can't wait to see this one. I can't wait to see the result. But I do think the charges are in position right now to make sure that Week 17 game is for the division. But we shall see. I'm taking Sandy, not San Diego. I always want to say San Diego. I'm taking the L.A. Chargers in L.A. plus four over the Chiefs. And my lock of the week, the New Orleans Saints, a five-and-a-half-point favorite over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This game is in Tampa Bay Sunday at 1 o'clock. The Saints, like I told you, the Chiefs coming off an inexcusable, embarrassing loss. The Saints are coming off maybe the most inexcusable loss in franchise history. Fallen to the previously 1-7 Atlanta Falcons. That was a horrible loss for New Orleans. Drew Brees is back. You cannot lose that game to the Falcons. Their season is over. They've traded away guys. There's nothing to play for in Atlanta. And you lose to them? I don't care if if that's a divisional game. I don't care. You get another divisional game now, and people might say, well, it's close. That 5.5 is high. Nah, I don't think so. New Orleans, they're 7-2. They've dropped down to the number three seed in the NFC playoff picture. They know how important that first round buy is. If you're going to get it, you got to beat the Buccaneers. They're three and six. They have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. In fact, statistically, they have the worst defense in the NFL, allowing a league-high 31 points per game. I expect Drew Brees to bounce back in a big way against a terrible defense like that that allows 31 points per game, a league-high, like I just said. And so New Orleans knows. They see it. They know that if the playoffs began today, they'd be the three seed and they'd be hosting the six seed Minnesota Vikings. That's not an easy game for the Saints. You think they want that game? No, they don't. They know. They're motivated. Awful loss last week. Bounce back against the worst defense in the league this week. I'm taking the Saints and I'm taking them as my lock of the week. New Orleans minus five and a half over Tampa Bay Sunday in Tampa Bay. So my picks, I'm taking Houston plus four. I'm going with the Patriots minus three and a half, the Rams minus six and a half, the Chargers plus four, and my lock of the week, the Saints minus five and a half. Picks, picks for week 11 in the NFL presented by DraftKings. Play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PICK, P-I-C. That's promo code PICK, P-I-C, at DraftKings.com. So those are my picks. 
Uh, those are my thoughts on the NFL heading into week 11. I will be back on Monday to break it all down. I will react to everything we see. I'll react to Patriots-Eagles. Like I told you, I think the Patriots are going to win big. But, um, you know, I think that there are some things to watch for, like Nikhil Harry. And then the following week, are they going to get Isaiah Wynn back off injured reserve as they left tackle? That's another big, that would be another big addition. And then Gronk watch. And then Gronk watch. Um, but I'll move on from the NFL right now. I'm going to close out the show here with some thoughts on the wrestling world. And I don't always do this on this show, but as you know, if you listen, every once in a while when there's a big wrestling story, I react to it. And I'm a wrestling fan. At least, I call myself a casual wrestling fan. And I'm a huge CM Punk fan, though. Like, CM Punk is the guy that got me back into wrestling. So when I heard this week that CM Punk returned to WWE television, I was, when I first heard about it, I was ecstatic. I, I, I shouldn't say I couldn't believe it because I've always told you I think he will return. A lot of people try to say, Danny, he'll ne- he said it. He'll never come back. He said it. He went on the show. He said it. He went on this show. He said it. When are people going to learn that when pro athletes or pro wrestlers or anybody in any industry goes on a radio show or a television show or a podcast or talks to a reporter or talks to the media, when are people going to learn that whatever they say is not always gospel? It's not always factual 100%. Like, anytime you hear somebody go on a show and say something... I just think this most of the time there's some type of public negotiation taking place. Right? There is. And I think with CM Punk, I, I think there's a little of that. I think there was always a little of that. And why not? It's a smart move. You know what I mean? Be like, oh, I'm never coming back. I just don't want it. And then after years of saying you don't want to come back, years after saying you just you know, it's not for you. You got enough money. It's not about money. You're not coming back. You know, you you float out maybe a couple quotes where it's like, well, I mean, I'm not going for it. If you want to make me an offer, make me an offer. And now you got a new company, AEW, in the mix. You know, you got what NXT's trying to do on TV, battling AEW. Um, you know, I, I we talk about Ring of Honor all the time on my other show with Matt Taven. Take a bump every week. Make sure Make sure you subscribe to that. There's a lot of wrestling to be had right now. And CM Punk is in a position of negotiation power. And sometimes in that negotiation power, if you show your hand completely, like if CM Punk goes on all these shows and he's like, yeah, yeah, I can't wait to come back. Can't wait to come back. If you're one of these companies that's going to sign, that's looking to sign him or bring him back in some capacity, you know, you, you, you might not come at him as hard as you would if you thought he was completely retired. Because you say, oh, he's saying he wants to come back. So we'll make him an offer. But if you're making an offer to a guy that, you know, you're trying to really convince to come out of retirement. He's already closed the door, but you're saying, eh, come on. We want to get you before AEW does. So here's an offer you can't refuse. You might not get that same offer you can't refuse if you're out there publicly going, oh, I can't wait to get back into wrestling. Can't wait. So... For everybody that was trying to tell me, like, oh, he says he's not coming back. 
He's so he's not coming back. I said to you, I don't believe it. In the wrestling world, coming back is what these guys do. <laughs> they leave and then they come back. That's just the way it works in pro wrestling. And CM Punk, as we're finding out now, no exception to that rule. He has returned to WWE TV. He has returned to the WWE backstage show on FS1 as part of WWE's new deal with Fox. They've moved SmackDown from Tuesday night to Friday night, and it's Friday night on Fox. From Tuesday nights on USA to Friday night on Fox. It's a big deal. And you see it incorporated here and there on... You know, you saw it incorporated during the World Series, during their broadcast. You saw it incorporated on, on NFL Sundays and even on Thursday Night Football on Fox. And it's a big deal for WWE and for Fox. And they have this show now. What is it on? Is it on Tuesday nights? Tuesday nights, I haven't, I've yet to watch it. I, I knew they were doing this show and I would have loved to host it. I threw my hat in the ring and, and um, crickets, crickets. To no surprise. But I haven't watched this show yet. But on Wednesday morning, I go on Twitter. I come into the studio. I'm on Twitter just seeing, you know, what news I missed the night before. And people were tweeting about CM Punk returning. In fact, the first tweet I saw was Seth Rollins tweet at CM Punk. He said, fight me at CM Punk. That's what he tweeted. He tweeted, fight me at CM Punk. And when I saw that tweet... That's the first thing I saw about it. I got, I was ecstatic. I'm going, love it. Punk is back. I knew it. Couldn't wait. Can't wait to see him back in the ring. And then I'm thinking to myself, well, how did they do this? How did they announce this? So then I'm searching, I'm searching, and a video pops up. And it's a video of their little backstage show on Fox Sports in which they announce at the very end of the show, like in the last 30 seconds, they say, hey, by the way, we got some breaking news for you and a little surprise. We're going to close the show out with. Hit the music. And they're in this little studio out in, where they do this, out in L.A.? On, on FS1? And CM Punk's music hits, Cult of Personality. And I'm like, what? And CM Punk walks through the doors, he comes onto the stage, he looks into the camera, and he says, just when you think they got all the answers, I come back and change the culture. See you next week. And and I, I think that's what he said. It's something along those lines. Maybe I'm paraphrasing there a little too much, but that's that's basically what he said. And then the show ended. And so now you're left hanging, and you're like, "Wow, CM Punk, he's back in the WWE. Wow, oh CM Punk, like this is huge news. You know what I mean? This is something that a lot of people thought would never happen. CM Punk on WWE TV. But I'm sitting there going, while I was excited. While I wasn't really surprised, as I told you, because I knew he would come back, I was, at the same time, with all those emotions, I was kind of pissed off. Because I think they dropped the ball on what could have been a very special surprising return. And by surprising, I mean like, I didn't see this coming tonight type of surprise. The WWE, in my opinion, dropped the ball on doing something very special with CM Punk in an arena. In a sold-out arena. Whether it's at the end of a pay-per-view, whether it's at the end of Friday Night SmackDown on Fox, whether it's at the end of Monday Night Raw, heck, they could have done it at the end of 
NXT on USA on Wednesday night. How about at the beginning of NXT? You want to win ratings? You want to win ratings? You got CM Punk interrupt, I don't know, Finn Balor on NXT to open up Wednesday night. And he gives him the GTS. He picks up the mic and he says, I'm back and drops the mic. I'm back. See you on, see you on FS1 next Tuesday night. Drops the mic. Pipe bomb. Wow. You don't think that would have won you some ratings on Wednesday night over AEW? Like, I was pissed that this is the way they brought CM Punk back to the WWE. I thought they dropped the ball on a major opportunity to have this great moment where his music plays in a packed house, in an, in an arena, during an event. Toss a mask on him, put a hood over, over his head. Have him come in, couple GTSs, take the hood off, it's CM Punk. He's back. And he'll be on FS1 next Tuesday night with Renee Young and Booker T and Samoa Joe and Adam Cole and whoever else is on that show. I think they dropped the ball. Now, I had people tweeting at me, and I even mentioned this on our wrestling podcast, Take a Bump, yesterday, earlier this week. I said, the only way it makes sense to do it the way the WWE did it, not in an arena and in an empty studio out in LA. The only reason that makes sense is if CM Punk didn't actually sign a contract with WWE. Like, what if he signed a contract with just Fox Sports to be an analyst? And that's it. Then it would make some sense to not do anything in the arena because he doesn't, maybe he doesn't want to do that. Maybe this was his decision. Maybe he's like, I'm only coming back if I do this. If you want me to do something in an arena, in a ring, especially, I'm not doing it. I'm just going, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in studio in LA once a week, being an analyst. That's it. Maybe it's Punk's decision. It's part of the contract. And maybe it's a contract that's just with Fox and it's not with WWE, even though WWE probably had to okay everything, right? They had to have a conversation with Punk. I say that, and I'm like, that's the only way this makes sense. And maybe that is, maybe that's what happened. However, knowing what I know about what I just told you to open the segment, that I'm not one that's surprised in general that Punk is returning to pro wrestling, and certainly not surprised that he's returning to WWE TV. You got to be, in my opinion, a fool to sit there and go, Oh, he's going to come back to WWE TV and he's never going to wrestle again. Please. Please. CM Punk, while he might not wrestle right now or in the next couple months, the fact that he is on WWE TV again, he is going to wrestle again. We are going to see him in the ring with someone. Maybe it's even just a one and done at WrestleMania. Or maybe they pay him big money to do something in Saudi Arabia like they do with all these shows, and they bring these big names because that's what Saudi Arabia wants as part of the contract. They want these big guys, these big names, and they get them, spending big money. Maybe it's one of those, you know, offers he can't refuse, and CM Punk has to do it, and it's a one and done. I don't know. You're going to be a fool to think that he's never going to wrestle in the WWE again. He just showed up on WWE TV. Even though it was on Fox, it's a show about WWE. 
So you, ha- if you're WWE, in my opinion, you think you're getting CM Punk back? You think you get him in studio to be an analyst at first? To me, you still need to find a way to talk him into making his surprise return in an arena. Even if he's just hitting someone with a forearm. I don't know. A GTS doesn't matter. Hit him with a chair. Hit him with a super kick for all I care. You got to do that in, a re- in an arena, and they dropped the ball on that. And that, that pisses me off. And I know some people might say, well, now you're going to tune in next Tuesday night. Sure, I'm going to. They got me. I'm tuning in. Yeah. I'm going to find out when it is. And if I'm not available to watch it then, I'm going to DVR it and watch it the next day. It's must-see TV. But it still could have been must-see TV if he shows up at the end of Friday Night SmackDown and gives someone a GTS, having that music play in an arena, and then saying, he'll be on FS1 this week, next week, to break it all down and talk about why he did what he did. Like I, It just seems to be like a simple plan, and yet they, they seemingly butchered it. I don't care that last week's, was it last week's Friday Night Smackdown wasn't live because it was in the UK? All right, then hold it all off until next week. Like, <laughs> like, like, not that difficult to do. If you're all on board, not that difficult to do. But again, you could say, well, maybe Punk wasn't on board with going in an arena. If I'm WWE, then maybe that's where I need to put my foot down with a contract and go, no, 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 no. We're not going to have you do a surprise, come through the back doors in an empty studio return. How does that make sense? We can still get people to make your first appearance on FS1 backstage, must-see TV, by making your return happen in a ring, even if you don't even wrestle after that. They dropped the ball. They dropped the ball. It's just as simple. I thought it was just, it'd be a simple plan, and they couldn't get that right. And I'm not one to come out here and crush WWE like most people do. I love WWE. I think when people overanalyze things and they don't like the way they're doing stuff or stuff doesn't make sense to them, a lot of times I roll my eyes and I say, it's it's entertainment. Move on. You think they got something wrong? Okay, fine. You know, like what's done is done. I don't go after them that much. But for this, can you imagine how loud that place would have popped if they just heard his music and saw his stuff on the on the Jumbotron? Like, come on. Instead, they did a little backdoor entrance at like, what what is that show? 10 to 11 o'clock at night? I don't even know. I didn't even I didn't even know that night. I saw it the next day. They dropped the ball. They dropped the ball. But at the end of the day, it is good to see CM Pack, CM Punk back on WWE TV. Uh, And I will keep my eye out for it and react to anything that happens. Uh, Next week, next Thursday, I will have Justin Barrasso from Sports Illustrated. He covers pro wrestling for Sports Illustrated. He will join me in studio. Long overdue. We haven't... Usually we do something before every major WWE pay-per-view. The four majors, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, and what's the other one? SummerSlam. But we haven't done the last couple pay-per-views. Um, and, and it's just because our schedules have not worked out where he could come in, uh, when I'm in the studio and, and we just couldn't do it. We're doing it next Thursday. 
We're going to preview Survivor Series. We're going to talk AEW. We're going to talk Ring of Honor. We're going to talk any other wrestling storyline that's there. I don't care if we got to sit here for two hours. We're going to get caught up. We're doing a pro wrestling podcast leading into Survivor Series. Myself and Justin Barrasso from Sports Illustrated, who joins me in studio next week. So um, I can't wait for that. But like I said, I'll be back on Monday to break down everything that we see in the NFL in Week 11 this Sunday. Hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are available. Also subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. Anything else? Oh, my website, dannypicard.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. I am out. Talk to you on Monday.